everybody, and welcome. The Wrigley Wingman is back on the air after a week hiatus because one of our co-hosts was... Had the stomach flu. He was... I've, <laughs> I've concluded that it was the stomach flu. I've never felt like that in my life, and I was on WebMD, and I was like, this is the stomach flu. I have the stomach flu. Obviously, you're good enough to self-diagnose. Give this man a PhD. He is a doctor. That is the most dangerous thing, getting on Google to figure out why your stomach hurts. You could have a million different things. Like if you had uh, your your symptoms, you could you probably had so many different diseases and had, ailments and viruses. It's uncanny. Lupus. I had a malignant tumor. I had everything. But, but I feel fine now. And, and we're back. And you know who else feels fine right now? You ready for this segue? You know who else feels fine right now? Fans of the Chicago Cubs baseball team. Oh, yes. The fans feel great, as do we. The I mean, host Trent Johnson, joined always by Jacob Wielander. Get that one in there a little late because Jacob won't stop talking. But the Cubs fans do feel great. And why do they feel great? Because the Cubs are up by a million games with a month, a little less than a month left in the season. We were saying months ago, not as a joke, but as like a very wishful thinking we were saying, good Lord, the Cubs might clinch with like three weeks left. And now here we are on September's, what, 5th, 6th? It's the and, 6th. And the playoff, like the play, or the magic number is going to be in single digits here before we know it. And yeah, there's a month left in the season. Yeah, it's been a perfect storm of the Cubs just absolutely dominating teams. And the Cardinals are a little bit down compared to last year they're going to end up finishing with about 15 less wins i would say and right now the pirates are free falling <laughs> as they are yeah. under 500 after losing like seven in a row so it's... the cubs completely ran away with it and i'm going to be honest jacob the this these last three weeks are i'm kind of bored <laughs> like these it's... games mean nothing i'm, I'm kind of bored with it like they're going to clinch it's... and it's... they could they could lose out and still most likely clinch but it's It's just like the game's kind of boring it's very different and yeah that's the thing like we just got done with one of the most dominant months we've ever seen and and i've been thinking that a lot this whole season i have to keep reminding myself i have to keep saying jacob this is the season that you we've waited our entire lives for this is the season that our dads have waited the are their entire lives for the Cubs, I was looking right now, the last time the Cubs won 100 games, I think it was 1935. 1935. Like, this is literally the dream scenario as far as a regular season. Now, everyone knows once the playoffs start, it doesn't matter how many games you won. But, yeah, I have to keep reminding myself because I fall into the same kind of... Us millennials are ungrateful for everything, aren't we? Yeah, it's the grass is always greener. It's like I kind of liked it when we were hovering about 500. I like the games are just so much more exciting last year down the stretch. Like right now, I'm just like, all right, playoffs. Let's uh, it's go ahead and get started up now. Playoffs. These these games don't mean anything anymore. It's just like doing work. It's like okay, well, uh, get everyone in, get their arms rested. Let's uh, see if we can get another win. Right. Like at yeah. this point, it's just to the point, like that Giants series, the game they lost in that Giants series where they had one or two errors and like a billion mental lapses. Rizzo got thrown out. 
rounding second on yep. that sack bunt in the ninth yeah. inning. It was. It's just to the point where I watch games, and if they win that, I'm just like, oh, okay, they it, won, cool. But it, if they lose and have that many mental lapses, oh, I'm furious. It, <laughs> I am absolutely furious. Like, because I'm like, man, playoffs are only about 20 days away. If they do that in the playoffs, I'm going to physically harm something. It's watching these games like right now. It's very similar to when we were watching games when they were terrible. At least for me, I'd watch it and say, I don't care if we win or lose. I just want to see someone do something cool. Like, I want to see a long home run. or I want to see literally anything that is kind of entertaining. And it's kind of the same way now. It's like if we win or lose, doesn't really matter. Like you said, like when bad things happen, it's still terrifying. Because it's like, no, 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 not now, not now. Yeah, the other thing that happened in that Giants game, their winning run came on a steal where no one covered second. Yeah. Arietta threw a wild pitch, and then Arietta threw another wild pitch. So, can you imagine losing a playoff game like that? Oh my gosh, I, I don't can't. even want to think about it. And if you did lose a playoff game like that, let's say Arietta threw a wild pitch and the winning run scored, you know we'd have to spend so many months being like, well, should the Cubs, should the Cubs re-sign Arietta or try to extend Arietta? I don't know. I don't know if he has what it takes because of that one wild pitch. It's like that when. Uh, Colton Wong got picked off. Remember in the World Series back in 2013, I think it was? Colton Wong got picked off to end that World Series game against the Red Sox. Do you remember that? Yeah. The whole offseason, it was like, is Colton Wong a, a major league baseball player? And it's like just one mistake in the World Series or in the playoffs, and that's all you're going to hear about. for the. It was like in 08. The Cubs get swept in 08. And why did the why were the 08 Cubs horrible? By the way, we won 97 games. They have no left-handed hitting, so we have to fix the team now. That's just how it works, though. But that didn't work out very well. No, 09 through 0, 014. They 09. signed someone who wasn't very good. Yeah, it was to be the left-handed hitter. But you know, watching these games now, I start to now I'm really just kind of focused on like the individual players. And I was watching Javier Baez the other day. And I didn't even know this was an attribute until this year. But he is the best tagger I've ever seen in my entire life. Like just uh, someone stealing second or maybe it's like a double play or some weird combination. He just tags the guy. Like it, it doesn't make any sense. I can't even compare it to something else in sports. It's just like this beautiful no look. No one gets the tag down faster. I, I, no can, one, I can compare no, it to one thing. What's that? a drive in golf because a drive in golf when a golfer is driving those professionals they have swing lag and so they're the head of their driver makes like a whiplash effect on the ball uh-huh. and that's what it reminds me of because Baez's arm moves so fast and it's like it's, it's like a whiplash effect, like the like the drivers in golf. If you've ever noticed that, watch the the golfer's front leg. He kind of dips down and creates right. a bunch of club head speed. So that's kind of what it reminds me of. That's really the only thing I can compare it to. It's not really comparable, but it's just kind it's of the the theory behind same it. concept. Yeah, it's like he, most players catch the ball at point A and then move it to point B to tag the guy, where Baez. There's like three points. His glove is already moving towards the guy when the ball enters his glove. It's just like one motion. Just boom. And he's he's mastered the tag so much that he knows how the tag thinks 
and he can avoid tags better than anybody else. I was else just getting ready to say that. He can also make sure he doesn't get tagged when he's sliding into second base. He's about the best I've seen at that as well. So he's a he's a special player, and he does a lot of things that not many other players can do. Like there's plenty of second basemen and shortstop in the league that can make barehanded plays and have a ton of range. But can they also tag guys like Javi does? Can they avoid tags like he does? So a lot of people at the end of the day will say, well, I wish his average or his on-base percentage was higher. But those things kind of make up for it, in my opinion. Well, and he's 20-something years old. Plus, how many guys are able to perform that way on a consistent basis when they don't even really have a, like a starting job? Baez is, like, he, he makes his fair, he starts quite a bit, but it's not like, it's not like Rizzo where you know he knows every day he's going to be playing first base. Baez shows up, he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, but you wouldn't they know could that. Play him anywhere. Like, yeah, you go out and you know what you catch today. <laughs> yeah, and it's like that with Bryant too. What do you think? Like Bryant, every time he's riding the stadium, he's like, "Well, I wonder which position I'm going to play today at the highest level of baseball." Like, I wonder if I'm going to be in the outfield or if I'm going to play third. Or Bryant's played. He's probably played six different positions that I've seen him play, I think. Yeah, but, I think he's he's played first, third, both corner outfields at least. He I definitely he played, played center, center too. last year. I'm not sure if he's done it this year or not, but it's just I think it gets everyone thinking a certain way like you don't like everyone needs to be good at everything or at least kind of good at everything cuz it's just one more uh puzzle piece that you can move everyone around with. Yeah, it's nice when you have those guys. It's funny because Ben Zobrist was signed to be that guy, and now we have three or four of those guys. Yeah, and Zobrist, he's pretty much just playing second and right, it feels like, which I guess is what he was going to do anyway for yeah. the most part. But the, the sum of the parts is greater than the whole, you know. Yeah, I credit Madden for that. He's like, a, from the get-go, when, he, when these 20-year-olds came up, he's like, I can see you playing six different positions in the future. Also, man, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, but that's, we won't go there. <laughs> that's a hard uh, saying to remember. I know, I've tried to say it a few times, and I always get like halfway, and I'm like, you know what I'm talking about. You know like, what, Tommy Boy, when he's like, a butcher can find a T-bone, but <laughs> no, it's got to be your bull. It's like, well, I was close, but yeah. at least I caught myself right when I said it. You get points. I do get points. That's thanks to my old boss, Voice of the Gorillas. He always used to say stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, Eddie. But Eddie Lomschek. <laughs> I got a fun stat for you. Guess what percentage of the Cubs' combined uh, starting rotation, combined salaries? Guess what percentage Kyle Hendricks makes? Okay. The combined percent. Wait, okay. Uh, so the com- let me. I know. I said that. The word. percentage of the five starters combined salaries. Correct. And I'm about to ask you this or ask this question. I have to make sure I know the answer. Math is not a strong suit. Um, I would guess. Hold on. Let me pull up my calculator here. Can I do that? Okay. That yeah. Let's allowed? do this live. Okay. Um. Well, I bet it's under one percent. That that's correct. It is. Okay. Yeah. I bet it is. Um, because I I, I bet it's like point six five percent. That's without a calculator. I honestly don't know it. I just know it's less than one percent. But just think about that for a second. The Cubs rotation is very good, obviously. But the guy who's arguably the best pitcher in that rotation this year, or at least up to this point, 
is making 500 grand this year. And I get it. I understand why it's like that, but I think that's just kind of funny. Uh, he's not going to be making 500 grand for long, but right now he's making half a million dollars. Yeah, he's been incredible. In his last 16 starts, if you go look at him and Clayton Kershaw, he's made 16 starts this year. Yeah. The uh, the strikeouts, obviously, you cannot compare because right. Kershaw mows guys over like it's going out of style. But if right. you look at all the other statistics, <laughs> it's about the same. I think uh, Kyle's ERA is actually like three hundredths of a run lower. And see, it's unfortunate that it is this way and i might find myself arguing something i don't believe here in a second but it's unfortunate that it is that way in terms of the cy young race because i do think that hendrix is uh has a unfair disadvantage uh because of the strikeouts it's not his fault that he gets guys out uh you know with on his outs. own terms right and i mean the point the whole point of Pitching the baseball is to make sure runs don't score. And no one is better at that in the league, in baseball, than Kyle Hendricks. I'm not saying we should give the Cy Young to whoever has the the smallest, ERA. lowest ERA. But uh, I don't know. I just think that he's probably going to finish. Like, if I had to guess right now, I'd say he'd finish, like, fourth in the Cy Young voting. But he probably deserves to finish, like, second. I was going to guess he'd probably finish second or third. I don't think he'll get overlooked all the way down to fourth, in my opinion. What do you think about Kershaw getting it if he didn't pitch for uh, ever many months? I'm going to use another one of those sayings that I'll probably mess up, but I'm going to say it's a double-edged sword. Okay, I think that one was right, yeah. So you can make your arguments for both sides of, of Kershaw. It's, I mean, his season up until the point where he was injured was... Historically good. Yeah, historically good his his strikeout to walk ratio oh my gosh that thing is insane like how can you throw that curveball that he has but never throw a ball were were his walks in double digits yet or did he have like eight i don't think they were in double digits yet i thought it was like 140 k's and eight walks or something like that it was some insane number so i don't know like if he i don't think he'll win it See, the other argument is that any normal human that has to pitch the whole season usually starts to wear down after a while. So, yeah, anyone could take their best two-month stretch and say, look what I would have done if I would have kept pitching. But that's just the way it is. Now, Kershaw, I don't think it would have mattered. I think he could have pitched 550 innings and still probably have like a sub-3 ERA. But I don't know. I think that's – it just seems weird to me. That seems like a lot of time to miss – to still get the Cy Young. Would he have won the Cy Young anyway? Probably. Are any of us going to remember that or care in five years when we go back and say, hey, who won the Cy Young in 2016? No. But I don't know. I just kind of – I mean, I don't know. Here's another thing about the Cubs' uh, rotation because Lester's in that discussion. Arietta's kind of in that discussion. I think that a lot of people – let's say it came down to – Max Scherzer and Kyle Hendricks. Two very different pitchers, but let's just say it came down to those two. A lot of people are going to say, well, Hendricks had an elite defense behind it. And when you're a ground ball pitcher, that's really significant. And they're going to say, and look at all the other Cubs pitchers. They were all good. That's because of that elite defense. 
And whether there's any value to that at all, I think that's what a lot of people would say. If there were really, if it was a tie between uh, Hendrix and somebody else, or Lester and somebody else, I think they might say, well, they do have an elite defense behind them. Yeah, that's an argument that can be made, and I'm not going to say I necessarily disagree with it. I think if Kyle Hendricks goes and pitches for a team with not a very good defense, I mean, obviously his ERA is going to get raised just because there's not Addison Russell to get to a lot of those sharply hit ground balls in the hole. You know, like Addison Russell can get torn up the middle, whereas, say, an older shortstop, right? he's not going to get there, so... It's crazy though. It, it's been a long time since someone who was in the like a serious contender for the Cy Young, that person was not a strikeout pitcher. That doesn't happen very often. If you look at all the Cy Young award winners and people, the players that have finished in the top two or three over the last ten years, you don't find a lot of Kyle Hendricks. You, you find a lot of Max Scherzer's and a lot of Clayton Kershaw's and a lot of guys that strike people out left and right. A lot of Jose Fernandez's. Side note about Jose, I know I'm rambling, but this is the craziest. This might be the craziest thing I've heard in the last two weeks. A couple weeks ago, Jose Fernandez broke the Marlins single season K record. <laughs> he did that in August, by the way. I think he got 210. Guess whose record he broke? Think of all the great Marlins pitchers they've had over the years. Um, he probably broke, like, uh, Oogie Urbina's record. <laughs> That's not a bad guess. I would have said like Josh Beckett or Dontrell Willis if I had to say. Maybe Brad Penny. Didn't he Those pitch my there for two, a while? But I'm pretty sure it was Ryan Dempster. And I thought to myself, what? Ryan Dempster, <laughs> 209 strikeouts? But uh, I'm going to confirm that right now because even as I said that out loud, that sounds ridiculous. But I'm uh, pretty sure it was Dempster's record that he broke. So anyway, my point is the Cy Young Award winners – are usually like power pitching dominant whatever so it's kind of just cool to see Kyle Hendricks having the season he's having even if he doesn't get any hardware for it I guess he got got the uh pitcher of the month that's That's something you can put on your uh mantle yeah it is so we'll we'll see I was doing Sporkle the other day I I was looking at all-time saves leaders you know how many teams don't have like all-time leader in saves like you'd think most teams would have you know someone around the 200 mark right there's we've had closers for long enough that you would think that but there is a ton of teams where like their saves leader is like 100 like i if i had to guess right now i'd say like the rockies probably don't have a closer with like a historically good closer is that one of them yeah i don't i don't really remember i know the cubs was uh do you know do you know uh, all-time saves leader? Yeah. The easy answer would be Lee Smith. but That's, that's correct. Okay. And it was around like 180. Yeah. I the Cubs, I think, isn't Randy Myers, isn't he on that list? I don't know. Rod I don't Beck. really remember. Beck was up there and Dempster was up there in the top-ish region. I might have been wrong. The closer. I'm pretty sure Marmol was in the top five. Yeah, he should be. Like in so. term, maybe not in saves, but in terms of if you had to rank the top five closers we've ever had, and you were only to take like their two or three best years, I don't think anyone beats Marmol right now. Chapman's looking like if he sticks around for another year, which I don't know how that would happen, but if for whatever reason he were to stick around and keep doing this, 
he would be on that list. Man, what is the Cubs record since Chapman made his first appearance? It has to be good. I mean, you could say that with about anything. Yeah. You What's could the say... Cubs record since Matt Caesar had his first double? Pretty good. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's true. But it just seems like that. Well, they something... were twenty-two and six in August. Let's even if we go to the playoffs and everything falls apart, like we're gonna look back on that trade and say that was a good trade, or at least if we actually sat down and thought about it, just from what we've seen already, it was, I in my opinion, totally worth it. We're going to the playoffs. I, the the thing with Chapman that makes me feel, uh, I like it when I watch him, is a lot of times like when Marmol would mess up and just completely blow a game. How would he do it? He would usually just leave those sliders that don't slide right over the plate, or he'd walk guys left and right, and it was bad. It was the same way with Dempster. It was the same way with Kevin Gregg. It was the same way with every closer. But with Chapman. The only way that like I see him, like when he starts to go south, it's because one he can't throw strikes, but he never can't throw strikes for long. When you throw a hundred three, it's just throw it as hard as you can right down the middle. You don't have to place it the same way you would have to place a pitch if you were Kevin Gregg. And also, what amazes me with Chapman, the dude throws a hundred three miles per hour. He could throw a hundred miles per hour with his other hand. And he throws these breaking balls all the time. I'm sure it's a very effective pitch when you're throwing 103 miles per hour. But I think he just wants to embarrass guys. Like I think he's just like, I'm going to make you look like an idiot. Because it happened in the game the other day. He was throwing a bunch of breaking balls. Basio comes out. And the, you could see the first thing out of his mouth was, are you okay? Chapman nods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, then it was like a five-second meeting. I'm pretty sure Basio went out there and said, Okay, well, throw 103 miles per hour. Let's, we're all tired. Let's go home. And then after that, he threw like he struck out the next two guys on like seven pitches or something like that. I think he gets up there, and he's just like, "I'm gonna make you look." He's stupid. toying with people. He's just seeing what he has back there. Yeah, I mean, if you throw 103 and you do that your whole life, it gets boring. Like, I want to make you look stupid. I want to throw some little breaking ball right over the middle. Yeah, well, Jacob, the the whole 16-17 game lead, the magic number's down to 10, three weeks left, have a legitimate chance to clinch in St. Louis in a few weeks if the Cubs can win. If the Cubs can win four games between now and then with five to play, that would guarantee at least a shot, and that would be if St. Louis could win every game between now and then. Right, and we have one, two, three, four, five games before St. Louis. Two against Milwaukee and three against Houston. Yeah, so winning four of those five would guarantee at least a shot. So I think if the Cubs could win three of those games and the Cardinals could lose two games, three games, I'd really like to see that number of four. I don't, I don't think they'll sweep St. Louis at Bush Stadium, but how sweet would it be if they what? did to clinch the division? What an exclamation point. Uh, I kept going back and forth whether I'd want them. And again, what a what a great conversation to have! Like, what a great problem to have. I feel like this is like the old. This is the first world problems version of baseball problems to have. I I don't know whether I'd want them to clinch in St. Louis against the Cardinals, obviously, or at home because part of me really likes like the traditional like you won a game at home. That's how you get to go to the playoffs and everyone like you know the exact moment and you can do you can jump on the field and everything and the fans are there 
They can walk around and spray all the fans with champagne. But at the same time... I want to do it in St. Louis, dude, in front of the best fans in baseball, and I want the Cubs to just go ballistic in their locker room so the Cardinals have to listen to it through the walls, and then we get to hear some great Mike Matheny quotes. (laughs) Yeah, he'd be (laughs) standing there with his arms folded going, I just think it's kind of disrespectful to... That's not how we do things around here, but if yeah. they want to do it, they can do it. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I was That's what uh, I want to hear. I'm like a Raldis Chapman right now. I just, <laughs> I just want I just want to stir the pot. I remember uh you know, give me some excitement. There's no excitement going on when you're up by seventeen games. Let's just start a brawl. I think we can get a brawl going, get everyone hurt before the playoffs. Let's do it. Let's you and I do it. Let's go inside a brawl. Tonight in Milwaukee. Brawl. I, uh, there hasn't been a brawl in baseball yet this year, really. I mean, you have Odor knocking <laughs> Bautista's jaw off. but That was another thing I forgot to write down in my notes that I wanted to bring up. We haven't had a – you're right. We haven't had a fight all year. Like, and not, I, even like a, not even like just a benches clearing talking to. I mean, we? like there were some moments against the Pirates early on that were kind of heated. But you get fights normally, or the Cubs get fights for one of two reasons. One, we're all just really upset and the team's losing 100 games, so you just fight somebody. Or two, it's a situation like the Pirates last year in the wild card game where, well, that was kind of different. That fight was because the Pirates knew that they were they were done if they didn't mess with us, so that's what they tried doing. But yeah, we haven't had a fight. You would think there'd be like one of these teams like the Pirates or even the Cardinals that are just so frustrated with their season and so frustrated with the fact that we're on pace to win 100 whatever that they'd be like, you know what, I'm just going to hit Rizzo. Like, I'm just going to hit him. It doesn't make <laughs> sense, but I'm just mad. We haven't seen. Maybe if we see Garrett Cole again this year, yeah, I could see him doing that. That would be nice. Let's have a brawl. Like like a guy that gets mad. Well, I was assuming that these Cubs Cardinals tickets for next week were going to be expensive. I mean, I went to a Cubs Rockies game in Denver, and it cost me like it was packed. It cost me a bunch. So I get on StubHub, and like the most expensive ticket, I think it's Wednesday. It was like seventeen dollars. I was like, what kind of best fans in baseball aren't here to see the, I don't know. It just, I think, I honestly think that Cardinals fans, when they're not winning the division, are up by like five games in the division. Their season's a failure. They're in last. If you're not first, you're last. And they're like, why would I want to go support a team that right now is playoff bound? Why would I do that? I don't want to see them. They let us down. They're probably all buying Blues season tickets right now. Uh-huh. Cardinals are done. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. So I just I just want the playoffs to start. I've been harping at it for thirty minutes now. So I was so nervous last year for the playoffs, and I should be nervous now, but I'm not. And I think it was that wild card game. Man. I'm more nervous about this year than last year because that, this year they're supposed to win the World Series. That's the logical thinking. Last year they weren't supposed to do anything. We were playing with house money. Everything was a cherry on top. But this year I just. Now we're all in with our own chips. Yeah, and I think the team's better this year. I feel more comfortable than I do Kristen Orphia running out there and getting a big hit. Yeah, I agree, Jacob. I agree. (laughs) But I'm I'm just I'm just nervous because the team with the best record never wins the World Series, so it doesn't happen very often. You know what we've been seeing all year? What we've been seeing all year are these graphics when we have a game on Fox and it's like the last team that was up by this many games with a run differential of that went to the World Series. Like four, like they've all done it. If the Cubs don't do it, they'd be the first in baseball history. 
and if you come up with enough ridiculous variables in those statistics, the last time the Cubs hit 20 doubles in the month of September and did this. But World Series, yeah. For sure. We'll see. It's going to be scary. And I, I'm glad we're doing this podcast because I'm going to need to uh, talk during the playoff run because otherwise I'll just be throwing up left and right. All right. I'll keep that in mind. So we have about a minute left to hit on our non-Cubs topics. Um, first weekend of college football is over, Jacob. It is. And our Illini put a shellacking to Murray State. 15-3. They did. And I'll my... be the lovey bunch and my side chick the tennessee volunteers barely beat appalachian state what a game you were there right i was there it was a really good game like excitement wise that was the best that's like probably the best game you could be at all year but see doesn't everyone walk out of that stadium just feeling like you lost um i'm not sure i think (laughs) appalachian state was a lot better than a lot of fans give them credit for that's true my one non-cubs fact it's kind of a cubs uh topic how glad are you that we don't have to deal with changing the stadium to guaranteed rate field? Like, how glad are you that we are just regular field? We don't have to be Mr. Peanut Field, or we don't have to be, uh, you know, PetSmart, Walmart. That's something I take for granted a lot. There's not a lot of teams that play in a stadium that isn't corporate sponsored. Yeah, I like it. That's all I got to say about Gu- that. Guaranteed. I saw a tweet, and it was like, uh, they should call it guaranteed seat field. I was like, ha-ha. Hey, oh. Zinger. Yeah. All right, Jacob, we're out of time. So of time. until next week, maybe we'll have some more excitement in our lives. Like I'm going to get the stomach flu again. Clinch. But until then, tweet us at Wrigley Wingman. Give us an email, WrigleyWingman at gmail.com. As always, this was the Wrigley Wingman, Trent Johnson and Jacob Wielander. As always, go Cubbies.